All right, the title of this message is Living Thanksgiving. On Thursday, we're going to be celebrating the annual holiday called Thanksgiving. Some would say the embryo of that idea went all the way back to the pilgrims and the Indians, and that was actually the first Baptist potluck that has ever been taken, okay, was that first Thanksgiving back, back then. And then it became a national holiday, and I think it was Abraham Lincoln who uh, really put that in, in formal terms. But that's a good thing uh, for, uh, for us to do. And this time of year always reminds me, Jeff, you need to be a more thankful person. So uh, I felt it needful uh, for us to address that subject. Now, I want to show you what one writer said here. The psalmist said in Psalm 35:18, I will give thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. That's a good verse to tell you you ought to be in church, isn't it? Because the Bible says, I'm going to thank thee in the midst of a gathering of people. Uh, Then it goes on to say, you can be sure the Bible encourages and commands the people of God to give uh, thanks to our blessed and glorious God, blessed and glorious Lord. Then it says, there is something about the grateful heart that brings pleasure and satisfaction to the heart of the holy and righteous God. I know this is so because it is clearly the will of God that His chosen people give much thanks unto Him. And then so many folks want to grumble, groan, and gripe instead of thank God, thanking God for what He has already given them. Rendering thanks to God is not to be an occasional act of God's people but to be a way of life. How do I know the word give used in regard to thanks, like give thanks, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 is in the Greek present tense in the New Testament. That suggests that thanksgiving is to be an ongoing and continual thing in the lives of God's dear people. And so that's why I wanted to address this subject of living Thanksgiving, not just Thursday in November say, boy, I'll tell you what, we need to give thanks right now. No, we need to give thanks every day. And I want to challenge you in your own personal time with the Lord each day. I hope you, uh, the greatest thing you can ever do is spend at least five or ten minutes reading your Bible every day. And if you need help figuring out a Bible you can understand, see me because I can help you. Okay? Um. Read your Bible every day, and then spend some time in prayer every day. But don't immediately rush into things you need. Praise the Lord, and then begin to thank the Lord. Now, let me tell you something. There is a difference between praising the Lord and thanking the Lord. Some people around this time, I just want to praise God for my family. I mean, if, if a pastor says, anybody got any words of praise? Just want to praise my family. No, you don't praise your family. You praise the Lord, and you thank God for your family. You got it? Praising is your 
acknowledging who God is. And when you thank Him, you're thanking Him for what He's done and the gifts He's given to you, okay? So we're not talking about praising today. We're talking specifically about how we need to be living thanksgiving. So the question is this. Why does God not only encourage us, but command us to be thankful people? Why does He command... Command us to be living, present tense, thanksgiving every day. Well, let me give you uh, five reasons today. First of all, um, it pleases the Lord. Now that's enough right there, if I stop right there. There is something about giving thanks to God. It brings pleasure to the heart of God. Look what it says inside of your bulletin, if you would, take a look there. At the verses, First Thessalonians five eighteen, in everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know what that means? In every circumstance, give thanks. If, if you're going through a difficult time, you don't have to say, "Well, bless God, thank you, Lord, for these horrible times that are about to put me on my knees." You don't have to say it that way, but you can say this, Lord. I don't understand what you're doing, but I thank you. You're going to do something through this. You're going to make me cling to you. You're going to make me want to worship you more. And God, even though I don't understand it, even though it hurts, even though I just want to give up, God, thank you, and I praise you that you're faithful. You see there? That's what it means in everything, in the midst of every circumstance, uh, give thanks. Why? Because it pleases the Lord. Maybe one of the greatest verses in the Bible, there was a, about giving how God is so concerned about this. He's concerned that we be obedient to Him, to thank Him and how that pleases Him. You know, the Old Testament was full of sacrifices. That was a what we call a prototype or a foreshadowing that the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God, would come and shed His blood for us. And so what they did in the Old Testament, they didn't get saved by the sacrifices. Uh, they got saved because their faith uh, in God... And uh, But God commanded them, have all these blood sacrifices. Well, there was a king by the name of Saul, and um, God told him, I want you to go and destroy all the Amalekites. Wipe them out. Why? Because God had given them 400-something years to repent. And God used His people in Israel as His judgment tool. God had given these people a million chances, but they would not repent. And now God says, now is the time. And King Saul, you're supposed to go in there, and I want you to wipe every one of them out. All their sheep, their king, everything, wipe them out. And you know what Saul did? Saul came uh, back from the war, and uh, Samuel the prophet... uh, uh, met him out there and Saul said, Look at here! Look at all these sheep that I've got and all these kind of things. And, and I even got the king here. And, and Samuel said, Are you kidding me? God told you to be fully obedient to Him and you think you're going to come back here and please the Lord. And look what he says here in that context. 1 Samuel fifteen twenty two. Samuel replied, Has the Lord as much pleasure in your burnt offerings and sacrifices as in your obedience. God's more concerned about your obedience than He is sacrificing sheep. 
Obedience is far better than sacrifice. How much, how is much more interested in your listening to him than he is much more interested in your listening to him than in your offering the fat of rams to him. And so the Bible says that we are commanded to give praise to God. It pleases the Lord more than any other thing that we can do. One, one, um, one thing we know since uh, that verse says it is the will of God, um, think about this. As a parent, you don't want your child to always be coming to you and say, give me this, give me that, give me my allowance, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that. You don't want them to do that. Sometimes you just want... And, and, and it's nice when they, you, know, you give them a, a Christmas present and they go, thank you, Mom and Dad. That pleases you, right? But I tell you what pleases parents more than anything else, and y'all can look back on this, is when they haven't done anything tangible, you just say, Mom and Dad, I, I'm just thankful for y'all. And, and doesn't that just please you when, when they do something like that? Uh, doesn't it please you when you work and you have a boss and he's not just telling you things to do all the time, but sometimes he comes up and pats you on the back and says, well, thank you, you're doing a great job. Doesn't it please you when your pastor comes by and you've been working hard at the church and I try to be thankful to people and say, boy, thank you for all that you're doing around here. Um, yes, uh, yesterday, one of uh, members from a previous church, she put on there, uh, what are you thankful for? And different people were thanking stuff, and I said, Nan, I am thankful for you because you were a rock. She was one of my right hands in the church uh, who just helped me with so many, so many things. And you know what? I know that pleased her. We need to be more intentional about being thankful to people and thankful for what all God does for us because it pleases the Lord. Do you know what the Bible says that in the end times, one of the marks of people in the end times will be that they're ungrateful. We live in the most ungrateful generation there's ever been. We live in a generation where, where it is owed to them what they get. I would like to know if that Brittany Griner, remember Brittany Griner? She was an Olympian and she brought some pot with her over to Russia and she's been in, and I'm sure, I mean, I hate to say it, but she's probably one of those that hates America. She gets over there, she's in a Russian prison for all these months. Hopefully they'll, they'll get her out. But I want to tell you something, I'd like to ask her, are you thankful for America now? Are you thankful for a land that's free that's not going to jail you and put you in prison? Are you thankful now? And again, I hope that, that she's not like that, but you know, it, it doesn't seem like she uh, is that kind of person. You know, uh, we have Pastor Appreciation Month. And you know what that means? Be thankful to, for your pastor. I mean, and uh, I like that uh, they started that, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 years ago. I don't know who started that. Be thankful... Uh, you know, Pastor Appreciation Month. And I want to tell you something. It really does please me. It makes me feel appreciated, and I, I really enjoy that. And, you know, you don't have to give money. Now, if you give money, I'll take it. Oh, yeah, I'll take it, okay? But, uh, you know, uh, 
One of my friends, his name is Dr. Herschel York, and he loves Reese's peanut butter cups. And so you know what they do at Pastor Appreciation Month? They bring him a ton of Reese's brother cups, you know. But it's still an expression of gratitude, and it pleases the pastor. It's a shot in the arm. Did you know that we are created in God's image? I'm not exactly sure what all that means, but one thing is this. God is an emotional being. The Bible says God laughs, God weeps, God is grieved, and God rejoices. And you know what? Another thing, because we are like God in this sense, when, when thanks is given to us, we are pleased. When thanks is given to the Lord, He is pleased. So, the first reason we ought to be constantly living thanksgiving, not just on Thursday of November, this Thursday of November. But secondly, it proclaims our gratitude. You know, a lot of people are, are, uh, have stuff in their heart, but they never express it. I've preached before sometimes, and I'll get fired up, and then, um, you know, I feel the Holy Spirit of God, and after the service was coming over, and some, somebody will say, man, I just wanted to shout amen. I'm like, well, why didn't you do it? Let her rip. You know, I, I mean, just get your amens out, praise the Lord's. You know what I think? I don't understand. I mean, the Bible goes through all that in the Old Testament about oh, amen. And I don't know what it is, but I feel like when you say amen, which means so be it, I agree. When you say amen, there's something about that that to me loosens the Spirit of God to work in the service. So let's everybody say it. Amen, all right? <laughs> okay, there we go, since I got you to that point. Well, so what you're saying is in your heart, you want to say amen because you're saying, that is right, preacher, preach it, okay? And you ever heard the old expression, it's not new, saying amen to a preacher is like saying, sick him to a bulldog. <laughs> okay, so that's not new, but it always gets a little laugh out of there. Okay, and when we have thanksgiving in our heart, and we express it, it proclaims the gratitude in our heart. Look at uh, what um, the Bible says in Luke 17, 11 through 19. Oh, this is an awesome passage. This is like a lot of people, unfortunately. Luke 17, 11 through 19. Now, it happened as... He went to Jerusalem, that's Jesus, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as, then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men. You got it? Ten men who were lepers. Now, a leper was somebody who was infected with this uh, skin disease, and they were contagious, and everybody, it says, who stood afar off, because nobody wanted to be around them. Hey, you think COVID's bad. These people had all these skin sores, and their fingers would fall off, and their nose would fall off, and everybody's like going, <laughs> stay away from me, okay? Now, look in verse 13. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, notice that, he didn't heal them until they expressed faith and went to the 
priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned one of the ten. And with a loud voice glorified God, and he fell down on his face at his feet, Jesus' feet, doing what? Giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan, the scum of the earth. That's the way the Jews looked at them. So Jesus answered and says, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. You know what I read into that, and I think it's true, this is the only one of them that got saved. Jesus, Jesus said, uh, Go your way, your faith has made you well. Not just the outward well, but the inward well, only one out of ten give, gave him thanks. You know what I've determined in my life? I've determined to always be that one goes back and thanks Jesus. That's something you need to say. I'm, if nobody else thanks that person, I'm going to be the one that goes and gives them thanks. You know what I do when I go, and Gail can attest to this, when um, I'm at a restaurant... And my waitress is doing halfway decent. I say thank you. I, I say, man, I appreciate, I appreciate that. And if they're doing a good job, I say, you're doing a great job. I appreciate that. And you know what they do? Well, thank you. Because they're used to hearing, my food isn't here on time. This is, this is cold. This don't taste good. And I'm like, okay, I'll talk to the manager. You know, that's all they get. And I hate to say this. You know who waitresses fear the most? Church people. They do. They will tell, tell me the church people are the gripiest people. How sad. So I say thank you. And you know, I do it for this reason, but you know, because I say thank you to them, it pleases them. And you know what they say? They come back, would you like some extra rolls? Bring it on. You know? I'll, get, I'll give you, uh, like to Gail, we go to Chile. She loves chips and salsa. She's just nothing but a big chip. You know? And... Uh, so when I, when I say that waitress, waitress will bring back some more chips and sauces, give us some to go, and here's some extra salsa, you know why? Because it pleases her. It pleases the Lord, and it proclaims that we are very grateful. Be the one, don't be the other nine. All right, number three. It provokes others. Why should we be living thanksgiving? Uh, now, I do not mean the word provoke in a back, bad sense. Usually, you know how when you're a kid and you've got a sister or a brother and you want to go over there and kind of poke them and aggravate them? We usually use the word provoke that way. That's not what I mean. In this sense, it's used of stirring someone up in the good sense, encouraging them and motivating them to do something. Look what Hebrews 10.24 says. And let us, that's going to church with church people, consider one another to provoke unto love and to do good works. You know what you ought to feel when you come here? You, you, somebody ought to say thank you to you. I'm glad you're here. 
Somebody ought to give you an encouraging word. And guess what? You ought to say thank you to somebody. And you ought to give them encouraging words so that when you walk out of here, because of an atmosphere of gratitude, you want to go serve the Lord more. You want to be a, a better Christian. Now, I know we have several of our people out. Peyton's sick. Gail had, had COVID. Now, she's over it. Don't worry. If you were to look at our house right now through a fluorescent lens, there's probably green stuff all over our house and cooties and stuff like that, okay? And it's contagious, okay? Uh, now, so far I'm doing well. I've been juicing up on the vitamins, everything I can. And I asked Peyton, have you washed your hands? Have you washed your hands? Put your, <laughs> cover your cough, okay? Because it's contagious. Hey, can I tell you something? Positive things can be contagious. Thanksgiving can be contagious. Hey, and, and, and you know what? The opposite side of that is, I don't like this, I don't like that, don't like this song, don't like that, don't like this, don't like that. You know how that can be contagious. So that's why we ought to overdo it <laughs> on the contagion of Thanksgiving. Could you imagine if everybody came in here thankful every single Sunday? and focused on the things we're thankful for, what an atmosphere we would have here. It provokes others. Now here's the next thing. Oh, this is big. Because here's something that's going to reason why you ought to do it, because it's going to help you. It produces contentment. When you begin to thank God, something's going to happen to you. I think one of the greatest sins in America is what the Bible calls covetousness, which means we're always wanting more. We always want what our neighbor has. We want a bigger car, a bigger house, we want a bigger salary, and we're always wanting more. And I'll be honest with you, this is one of the things, it seems like when you're Younger, one of the main temptations is the temptation of the flesh, but when you get older, the temptation is the temptation of the world of the things that you want. And boy, I have to keep nailing that to the cross because I can think of different things that I want. And if I keep thinking of things that I want, I get discontent instead of just being thankful for what I have. One of my favorite commercials of all time, I might have mentioned this to you, but it's worth repeating again. It illustrates this. There's this guy and he goes like to Office Max or something like that. I mean, it's just a... I forgot what the commercial was about. But he uh, goes to Office Max, gets him a brand new computer, and this new computer, let's just say, I don't even know if this is the term, but he gets him a new computer, 1.5 gigahertz. Now, this is like 20 years ago or something. 1.5 gigahertz, and so he struts out of Office Max with the latest and greatest computer, puts it in his convertible car. He's driving home, got his arm even on the computer, and he looks up, and there's some guys doing a new billboard, like that, and on the billboard it says, new computer, 2.0 gigahertz. And he's like, ah! Okay, that's the way your life will be uh, if you're not thankful for what you have. When I lived in, in Georgia, we lived in a rather small house. It was 1,100 square feet. And, uh, you know, my music minister had a bigger house. My youth minister had a bigger house. 
And I thought, man, we need a bigger house. This is a small house. And so we began to look around. I mean, you know, we searched the Internet. We looked around. I bet we looked at 100 different houses. I finally found one that was awesome looking. About 1,500 square feet. Bigger than what I had. Loved it. Had a room upstairs that could be my office. You know, one of those, those rooms. I absolutely loved it. We even applied for a loan for it. In the midst of applying for that loan, I don't know, just something was happening in my heart. And I prayed, God, is this what you really want for us? Is this what you really want for us? And I was just reading my regular devotions, and look what I read, Hebrews 13, 5. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money or, or love of material things. Being content with what you have. Why? For he himself said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Now, isn't that interesting? Where that verse is, we say, man, God ain't going to leave you. God ain't never going to forsake you. In what sense? Be content with what you have because you got something greater than anything you could ever get, and that's me, and I'm never going to leave you. That's what that verse means. Now, um, one person said this, As we are thankful to God for what He has given us, we become more and more contented with what is already ours and through Him and from Him refuse to live restlessly. I want to tell you something from my own experience. If you're restless about what you have, you got to turn up the thanksgiving for what you do have. And then I've learned to say this. I mean, I'm telling you, I've had to crucify this in my own life. I've had to say, now, God, if you want me to have that, you're going to have to provide it. Otherwise, I'm content with what I got. Be grateful. Now, here's the last thing. It portrays Christ. Jesus, one of the reasons that Jesus is God who became flesh is He wanted us to show how to live in this life. Not just to die, sacrifice for our sins, but how do we live now? He was an example. He's the ultimate role role model. And as you read about the life of Christ, especially in the Gospels, you're going to see Him giving thanks to the Father regularly. Look at two verses about that. Luke 10, 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father. Look at that. I thank thee. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. All right, look at John eleven forty one. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus, this is when he was healing Lazarus, raised him from the dead, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Hey, l- let me show you how this can be fleshed out in your prayer life. You pray thanksgiving, you know, different things that you want to be thankful about. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you one of these. Gail, do not let me forget this. Will you take this out there? We're going to give you a copy of this, and I'm going to email it out too. But it's called Remarkable Reasons to Thank God. 
And uh, this guy by the name of Andrew Hess wrote it. He, has, he said a hundred reasons. I kind of shortened it and took away some of the redundancy. Okay? But it's divided up in sections. And you can use this, use this in your quiet time. Let me, give, let me um, give you just one little section here. And this section is called, You Can Thank God for the Place and Timing of Your Birth. Thank God for your conception that you were created. Thank God for knitting you together in your mother's womb. Thank God you survived your mother's pregnancy. Uh, uh, yeah. If you were born in a free country, thank God. I'm going to tell you something. Thank God you're born in America. It's got its faults, but it's still the greatest country on earth. It really is. If you were born to parents who loved you and provided you, thank God and thank them. If you enjoyed growing up with siblings, cousins, aunts, uncles, and grandparents, thank God. So you, you'll get a copy of that at the end of the service just to kind of give you practical things. So thank God um, for those kind of things, but then learn to do this. This will help your faith. When you pray and say, God, we have some needs, then say, and I thank you that you will meet these needs. God, I thank you that you will make a way. You are the way maker. God, I thank you that you heard me. Remember what, this, is, this verse is not on my, on, my, on my outline, but it says this, Be anxious for nothing. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Instead, uh, that we're to give, uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, which means worship in that context, by prayer and thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Not just by worship, that's good. Not just by supplication, which means pouring out your heart and your knees before God. But do it with thanksgiving. God, I worship you. I have some needs. But I thank you, God, that you're going to be faithful. I thank you, God. I thank you for this promise. Now, I want to show you some, end with some great quotes I stored up. And just to kind of leave us with some little candy at the end, okay? <laughs> when your gratitude becomes your default setting... Life changes. Hey, reset your default. From now on, I'm going to be a thankful person. And when you do, your life will change. Here's the next thing. It is not happy people who are thankful. It is thankful people who are happy. I've been to some of the poorest countries on earth. I've been, I, I've been in Haiti and there was a Christian family who lived, I'm telling you, it was like an old barn with dirt floor and a kettle in the middle of it. And that's some of the happiest people I've ever met in my life. It is not happy people who are thankful. It is thankful people who are happy. Now here's a good thing. The more grateful you are, the happier you'll be. I like this one. Comparison is no longer an issue when our heart is filled with gratitude. When you're just thankful for what you have, you don't compare yourself with the Joneses. You've heard that, keeping up with the Joneses. 
I like what Adrian Rogers said. People want to keep up with the Joneses, what the Joneses have. When you finally catch up with the Joneses, they've refinanced. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And they have more than you do. Again, so, you know, uh, you, you, you quit comparing yourself to other people, whether they're blessed or not. And I like this one. The more frequently you thank Jesus, the more joyful your life will be. (laughs) 